God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, here we are. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. Happy New Year. We did it. We made Happy it through. New Year. We made it through a horrible year together. We did it together. Yeah, we did it together. And uh, hopefully this year will be better in lots of different ways. We'll see. I know. People are like, oh, yeah, 2020 sucked. Can't wait for 2021. I'm like, well, here's hoping. But well, I'm, I'm, I'm a worst case scenario guy. Well, here's the deal. You know, 2020... Then you wake up the next day, it's 2021. We made all that up. There's no there's no difference. Right. So all that all that changes is just what happens slowly in life. So we'll see. It's like a spiritual, it's symbolic. It's symbolic of a of a turning page. I will say this about 2020. Since you know it's the beginning of 2021, it's our first week. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to I'm okay, you're okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay. It's 2021. Welcome. We're glad you're here. It's nice to be spending this time with you. Let's reflect back on what we learned in 2020. This is what I learned. 2020, humbling. Yeah. Dude, I was on the hamster wheel of my life. I was just doing what I've always done, playing music, making art, whatever. All of a sudden, oh, stop all of that for the year. Now, learn a bunch of new shit and figure it out. And what I had to do was I had to like look at my life and go, do I like these people that I'm living with? Oh yeah. Not only do I like them, I really value them. I value my relationship with them way more than I even knew, you know, because I had time to reflect on it. Now, I also got to reflect on my own mortality, which I just stopped thinking about a long time ago and and had to reassess all that. Started taking better care of myself. Started uh, started maybe taking more interest in like working on my friendships or whatever, you know, like putting a little bit more work and care into that aspect, which I've never done. It's always just been music. It's always just been work. And so, and also this idea, like I'll live forever. And yeah, all of that got reassessed in, in a very good way for me. Like I learned a lot of stuff. I learned how to do a bunch of things I would have never learned to do. And, uh, got to look at my life in a way that I wouldn't have had a chance to look at. And it's been a, it's been, re, it's been a enriching, rewarding experience. Uh, I haven't made as much money. It's been tough. Uh, you know, it's been scary. It's been the scariest year of my life since high school where I was also scared all the time. Yeah. So yeah, that was 2020 for me. How about you? Same. You know, I think the time I got with my family, I don't know if I would have ever done that without <clears throat> being forced to stop. So I went from having a lot of existential dread about not being around them enough to literally my wife worked from home. I'm teaching my kid first grade. Um, having to really think about what I do, like what I do vocationally, how it how it helps my family, thinking about 
spending my whole life making music and what do you do when that industry stops? I mean, those were all very sobering, horrific things to confront, but like most, like most things you get on the other side of it and it's, it was good. I don't know. It's similar to what you're saying. There are a lot of things I don't know if I would have dealt with without this year happening. And I'm just really lucky that I have great friends and a great family to do it with. I was telling Nova just the other day, we were talking about things getting back to normal because it's been pretty hard on her too. And it was like, man, we're almost through it. Like we almost are done to where enough people can get access to a vaccine. And I was telling Nova, I was like, we did it together. You know, I was like, we really did this as a family, just every day in this fucking house in Nashville that sometimes felt real small and real scary. And other times just felt like, uh, I don't know, like a saving grace. I don't know. It's, I don't know how we did it. You know, like when you get through a really tough thing and then you look back and like, how the fuck did we do that? And it's just, it's, it's cliche, but just one day at a time, man. Just, just, I mean, I was, I lost 40 pounds at this time last year when this whole thing started and I gained it all back. I was drinking a lot every day for, from like March to May. So I'm at a point now where I'm like 30 days into another diet and I've curb the drinking, I feel a lot better, I'm exercising. It's just, I don't know, man. I feel like I wore a lot of different hats this year. Made a, made an insane amount of music. I put out Lunar Satan, I'm putting on a solo album. Probably wrote 60 songs without doing much of any co-writing. Still was doing co-writing. Uh, recorded like 20 quarantine covers for the other podcast. Did a record with you. Did a couple of records with some people. So... Those are just some of the f- things popping up as I think about this year. Just navigating the school thing was so scary. And that's not even over yet, but I at least feel like I have some muscle for it. Yeah. The hardest thing for sure was having a five-year-old that I had to be responsible for every day. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that sounds shitty, <clears throat> but I... It, it it it's too much for, like it it really is too much for me i had this thing when my when my son was 6 months old me and his his mom separated and we had joint custody so he'd be at my house 3 days a week with her 4 days a week those 3 days a week that he was with me i never hired a nanny i never had anybody over except for, it was just always me and him and if I were to do it now, if that happened now, I would just hire a nanny to be there. I would I would get help. I wouldn't do it alone. But because I did all that time alone with him, like I really feel like I have some weird PTSD from that time period. Because I'm just not I'm too my my imagination's too overactive. And so when when I'm hanging out with a six month year uh, when he was six months to about the time he was two, that whole year and a half, every time I'd have him, I'm just like worried that he's gonna die or something's gonna happen to him the whole time. So like, it's not like I have to. It's not like I was watching him for five minutes at a time or an hour at a time. I was watching him for twenty four hours at a time or forty eight hours at a time. And it was too much. Like it's too much for me. No, I, I, I resonate. I mean, until I was actually thinking about it last night because Nova's like big now. She's real leggy and strong, and we were all snuggling on the couch, and she was like, wasn't meaning to, but like her strong ass 
gangly legs were like digging into my ribs and it, it just dawned on me like oh she's really strong now for so for years i was worried almost every waking moment that she was gonna die right that her neck would snap or that she'd drown or that she just a million ways that babies seem really vulnerable and i think that definitely like i definitely don't sleep the same as i did before i had a kid my sleep right. is real fucked up and has i mean i still sleep but that primal thing that kicks in it kicked in for me for some people i guess it doesn't but i worried about her dying a lot and i think that's bad for a person i can see how that would be traumatic for you in your case did yeah, you feel I the mean, same way with Scarlett? Oh, for, for sure. But I mean, the difference with, between Luke and Scarlett is with Scarlett, her mom's always been here. So mm -hmm. it's the three of us. And when, when there's another person there, it takes all of the pressure off. Yeah. Because if you got to take a nap, you just, hey, I got to take it. Uh, you know, like even if the other person's napping, they'll be awake in 45 minutes and they'll let you off the hook and then you can take a nap. When you're there, when I'm there with my 18 month year old, you know, 18 month old son, and I'm sleepy, and his he's not going to sleep for another five hours, I'm fucked. I yeah. can't I can't go to sleep for five minutes when he's that age because he'll get into some mischief. Yeah. And uh like I said, now I would just I would just hire a nanny and there'd be a nanny there for five hours a day. Or whatever. Right. But I think because of that time, I still have this weird sort of PTSD from that time period. So now with, with Scarlett and this whole year where like she wasn't going to school and I was watching her half the day and her mom was kind of responsible the other half of the day, like it just got to be like week after week after week. And then finally I was just like, I don't, I can deal with everything else. I just don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, it just seemed like it was going to go on forever. And then we finally put her back in Montessori, and, oh, uh, dude. But were you was, doing the virtual school? Did you guys ever do that? Uh, we did it. We did virtual. Yeah, yeah, we did the virtual. But it was like 45 minutes a day. Oh, ours was from was from 8 to 2.30. And so that that was when it got really dark. I mean, I was getting up and sitting there with her, sitting through first grade classrooms, and then having to basically help her. I was basically having to do the work of the teacher but I was having to sit through those live classes with all these Ugh. other kids. and it Sounds horrible. I mean, dude, it's it's like what we were saying before. Like, I think about it now and I'm like, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how we did that. But I guess it's when you have to do shit, you just do it. I mean, you just end up doing it and you find some weird, that's what it is. You find a place to put it. You find a place to put, it's like anything in life. You're getting divorced or your spouse cheats on you or you lose your job, whatever the thing is, you sort of find the, the human will and mind is strong, formidable. And you find a place to put it, you tuck whatever it is, whatever little column you put it in. And that's how you do it. That's what everyone does. That's what everyone did this year. Everyone does. But then you also have panic attacks or nervous breakdowns. <laughs> Those actually happen. Yeah. Or you, or you get addicted to whatever your thing is. You drink too much, you eat too much. You know, yeah, you would look at too much porn. I don't know, whatever your thing is. Well, I definitely did the eating thing this last year. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm eating, I'm eating." Uh, the problem with that is, <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with the problem with eating. <laughs> there's a problem. There's one. Hold on. 
Mm. <laughs> He's got the proverbial there's, ice cream cone. There's one problem with that. It gets, yeah. I wonder if you're like me. I don't think I'll ever have a normal relationship with food. I don't think I'll ever, like, I remember I was touring with Derek, who you know, a mutual friend of ours. And we were out in some like dope restaurant. And he ordered a salad for fun because that's what he wanted to eat. And I live in this torture of like, if I'm eating unhealthy food, I feel really bad about it. If I'm eating really healthy food, I feel horrible about that too. Right. And I was like, I was just sort of talking about that. And he 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 didn't bring this up until much later. I guess he was just really thinking about that conversation we had. And he was like, man, he's like, the reason I ordered a salad is because I'd eaten really like shitty greasy food the night before when we were having like bus pizza or something and he was like my body just wanted salad like i wanted to eat something that would make me feel good and i thought to myself i never eat food with those considerations it's weird because i kind of had that yesterday um where i was just like there's a bunch of bullshit food in in my house and i was just like man i just want something like i want some vegetables right like you were craving it I was craving like real nutrition, <laughs> right? Because uh, you know I'd been eating like you know I had all this Chris all these Christmas cookies and bagels and cake and candy and all this shit that I've been eating, and I've just been feeling kind of horrible. And I was like, oh, I need some like real food, but there I didn't there was there wasn't any to be had just because there's none in the house. No, there's like a frozen pizza in the fridge. <laughs> You know, I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not going to eat. It, it doesn't sound like yeah. when you get, when, when, when that happens, nothing sounds good. I've got ice cream, nothing, that doesn't sound good. I ended up making a sandwich. I, I found, I, I realized there was some like uh, sliced up turkey and some uh, cheese in the fridge. I'm like, oh, forgot about that. Made a sandwich. Pretty good. I think for me, oh, I love a good sandwich. I think for me. I have to take all the power out of food and that goes both ways and to take all the power out of it to control it so that I can be healthy. That means it takes the joy out of it too. And I, I don't know a way back from that. I've tried. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem with food. And it's, it's, it has to do with our memory. It's like you eat a bunch of bullshit and you feel horrible. You, you don't feel good about how you look. You don't right. feel good about how you feel. And so you know, obviously at some point you take the last spoonful of Nutella, put that down. And eventually your body, because it's magic, gets rid of all that stuff, sorts everything out. You have a good meal. Now you're feeling pretty good. You get some sleep. You know, you're not feeling so bloated, not feeling so horrible. And now you're feeling good and you forget. You forget about the bad times. You forget about how horrible you felt. And then you see that piece of pizza or that cookie or an ice cream. And then you're like, oh, that sounds good. I'll try that. And you start the whole process over again. I was thinking about something we talked about a few episodes ago where you talk about if you if you had something bad in the morning, you kind of have this attitude of like, well, fuck it. This day is done. I'm just going to eat whatever I want now. I was thinking right. about how. So I have this app and I count my calories and I stick to it because if you're not going to stick to it, it has no power. So I, and I know that that's what happened to me last year is I quit logging and it all lost power. And then I just was like, fuck it. So I keep up with it and I eat a little, I try to eat under what my thing is. And then if I exercise, which I've been doing, 
that adds like 700 calories to my day. So that just means I can, I don't have to be starving. I can just eat food. Right. Cause I stay within my boundaries and I exercise. I found that on the days that I don't exercise, I will eat all the way down to the zero point. I don't know why I psychologically do that, but if I do exercise, because I invested that energy and time, I, I eat less on those days. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, you know, I, don't, I, I know, I know why that is. It's because when you exercise, you feel like exercise is not good for losing. Like, if you want to lose weight by exercising, good luck. What what exercise does is it makes you feel better. Like it releases endorphins. It does something where you just feel better. You're less stressed. You have less anxiety and you feel better. And if you feel better, you don't need to eat. And if you feel bad, you need to eat. (laughs) Well, you need to do something. Right. And if you're not exercising, you're eating. Here's what I'm not doing, dude. Nothing. (laughs) Dude, if I find myself not doing anything at any point. That's real bad. And guess guess when guess when the most guess when I'm feeling the most I'm doing nothing is. This is what's going to suck what I'm about to say. When when I'm fully responsible for my child. Yeah. Cuz then I can't do anything. No, I get that. I I have that too. You're doing something and I get what feels kind of taboo about that. You're you're doing what seems like would be the most important thing in the world which is caring for Scarlet, even if that means just hovering around and making sure she doesn't choke on her macaroni and cheese or whatever. But when I have the same thing, dude, when I'm in charge of Nova for that six hours, the thing gnawing at me is that I can't go do a thing right. that I want to do, make music or write a song or anything. I can't, whatever my thing I want to do that makes me happy, I cannot do that while I'm doing this. Right. And that's hard. It's such a weird conundrum or paradox that yeah. you're with the person like nobody means more to me than my daughter or my son nobody and if they weren't on the earth it's bye-bye dude it's dude. bye-bye i'm not hanging out i'm going night night i just re-watched eyes wide shut last night i don't know why last night my family went to bed and i was like huh i think i want to watch eyes wide shut <laughs> Which I've seen and I love, but that's a brutal movie. But there's a, have you seen Ice White Shot? I'm guessing you have. I've only seen it once and I did not enjoy it. It's a wild movie, man. But it's really about Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, their marriage. Yeah. And the I whole, feel like it would feed into all of your shit. Yeah. But that's me like 10 years ago. I don't care about any of that shit now. I don't care about anything now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm ground. I'm ground down. You know me, man. I'm a dude, pillar, you're I'm ground a pillar down, of salt, dude. dude. I'm a pillar of salt, man. I don't care anymore. Dude, you used to have all these edges. Gone. Dude, you're like a smooth stone that you could just skip across the water. What did you call the? What did you call the smooth? Oh, I'm a smoothie now. Dude, you're one of those smooth sea stones. They like smoke some pot together and they're trying to have like some sexy time, but it turns into like this dark shit. And she's like, "Why are you never jealous about me?" And he's like, "Because I love you and you're my wife and I believe in you and I don't think you would ever hurt me." And she tells this story. She's like, "Well, you remember last." summer at Cape Cod or whatever. And he's like, yeah. She's like, you remember that naval officer? And she tells this harrowing story where she's like, this guy glanced at me and we had a thing and I couldn't get him off my mind. And that evening you and I made love. We talked about our future. We talked about our daughter. And the entire time, all I thought about was him. And it's like, 
it's a brutal little scene, man. I was just thinking about the paradox of you're with your kid and it's the person you care about the most, but your mind's on these other things. Well, yeah. I mean, my mind's, yeah. Here's it's me not- Here's me when my wife's like, hey, I want to tell you some deep revealing thing about that, the, her version of that. No, thanks. <laughs> no. I'm dude, good. I, dude, I don't want to hear shit. Dude, if my wife starts telling, like reminiscing about old boyfriends and shit like that, I'm like, time out. Yeah. Actually, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, look, Maybe she needs somebody to tell this to. I'm, I got, I look down. Oh, what am I wearing? My big boy pants. I can, I can hear about, you know, like we've been together for a long time now. Yeah. I can hear about something that happened 15 years ago or 10 years ago with her. I, but I think it's okay to say it's not my favorite. I'm not thing. crazy about yeah, it. It's not my favorite. But yeah, none of those things can hurt you. I think that's where I've come. You remember these talks where you and I used to have on the road. It's like I used to be so afraid of all that stuff. But what I've realized now is that none of those things can really hurt me. They just really can't hurt me, you know? Even if the thing I'm afraid of most came true, I don't even think that could hurt me because it it would be an indication that things weren't healthy anyway. It would be an indication that the relationship wasn't flourishing. I mean, you could do the math on everything and get to the point where... I mean, if you do the math on everything, I mean, we're all dead. Everybody. <laughs> I was about to say, we what's all, the. <laughs> I mean, the math is we're all dead. Everybody you know is dead. Everybody you're related to is dead. You're dead. We're all dead. So do the math. And the answer is death, everyone. E- everything equals death. Then it's all gravy. It's all gravy, dude. Well, my song this week. You know, it starts with me saying, I don't give a damn about my song this week because I didn't care to do it and I wasn't looking forward to it and I just wanted to get some bullshit turned in. And it ended up turning into the last verse I was thinking about how when I die, people are going to go through my vinyl collection and how I would want that to be a significant event, but they're not going to give it the... The last verse is salvage is the word they'll use to do the job of getting all these records off my shelf. Some sleeves they'll recognize after they dust them off, maybe keep one or two for themselves that they won't even listen to. They'll just put them up for sale. What does it matter? Who the fuck cares? One day the sun will turn the whole world into hell, one great big burning hell. And that is the math. That's the final math equation. Dude, I think about, I think about this all the time. So I've got all these songs I've written, but I've got a little bit of an audience. I've got some people that care, and so I have an audience for them, and uh, we'll probably continue to have an audience moving forward. But there's some people that just write stuff, make stuff, and there's no audience for it. Right. And there's nobody that wants it. Right. And I just think of all the stuff that's been created and made that's just thrown in the trash dude i was talking to this guy who owns an art gallery in houston and he's got this great collection of all this art from over the years that he's amassed that he sells some of it but a lot of it he's collected and i was telling him i'm like man i've got this garage full of art that i've made because i haven't sold all my art i've you know I've, i've made more than i've sold and i'm like you know what's gonna happen to that and he goes I get calls every day or at least once a week from somebody who's like, my husband died, my wife died, my grandma died, my grandfather died. And I've got this garage full of art 
or storage or room full of art. Do you want it? Or do you want to try to sell it? He's like, no, nobody wants it. Do you remember that guy we went and visited? It was a friend of yours who, who got diagnosed with cancer and he, he oh, has yeah. since died. Yeah. And the, the whole pretense of the visit was we were, you know, I was riding with you because I don't live in Texas. So I think I was just riding with you to a Houston gig or something. And you it were was like, in Dallas, Dallas. And you were like, I need to go visit this Joey. guy. Cause he's a good friend. What was his name? Joey Walden. Joey. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being like, Oh no, <laughs> you know, I don't want to go to some weird, you were like, well, I got to spend time with him because it might be the last time I see him. And he was an artist and he was an amazing artist. And he, his whole thing was that McDonald, he did a Ronald McDonald riff. Remember that? Yeah, he. I'm loving it. And then it right. would be Ronald McDonald, and there'd be like a hypodermic needle. Or, it was like dark. It was basically McDonald's poison, and it's and it's marketed to children. And it was a variation of that theme, and his whole house was covered in it. And it was amazing. He ended up giving me, I think through you, he gave me a, a piece of it. Oh, nice. But he was like, he's like you at that time. You weren't selling any of your art. And he was just like, I don't make this to sell it. I make it to decorate my house with. And I have thought about when he passed away. I mean, where did all that go? He always wanted to be famous. He knew how good he was. Yeah. But again, he was more of a true artist and less of a businessman. So he didn't know how to go about, you know, making his art more popular so people would buy it. So he just amassed it and you'd go into his house. It was like a museum. Every every inch of the walls were covered in his art. He had 3D art, little statues, little things he had built. He amazing. It was amazing. One of my favorite artists. Well, and I remember sort of dreading that encounter, uh, but I remember we sat down with him for like an hour and he was just the coolest guy, just such a sweet, interesting guy. So sweet. Yeah, that's my, on my new album, I have a song called Joey's Song and it was written because I looked at, I looked up on YouTube. I was like, oh, maybe he's got some stuff on YouTube that I haven't seen. Sure enough, he had a couple of videos where he's just talking into the camera, talking about his art. Hmm. And his whole thing was just like, I make art to create more love in the world. Like right. that's the reason I make art. Not to sell it, not to make money, not to further my thing, but to create more love. It's just such a beautiful thing. It was making me cry. And then I wrote this song uh, called Joey's Song, which I love, which is on the new record. But um, what do you think is more sad? Okay, so you were talking about, you have an audience, you've cultivated this really cool thing. And a much smaller degree, I've cultivated an audience like where I can make an album like Lunar Satan and several hundred people want to hear it. All right. So those songs can go somewhere, but then there are people that don't have that. They, they, they are really putting this stuff into a void and that's sad. But then there are people who have no way to express themselves creatively. They, they never really learn to play an instrument or they don't, they're not talented in those ways. They, they don't know how to write poetry. What's more sad, not being, a, not having a, because I could write a lot of songs for me that really do help me and they don't land where I would like them to, but it's good to get them out. I worry about the people who can't do that at all. Well, here's the thing about life. We all do exactly what we want to do. We're computers and we, we make decisions based on this equation. What do I want to do? And then you weigh all the options and then you do whatever you want to do. Now, the problem a lot of that computation is made in your subconscious. So you have your conscious part of your brain, which is like, I want to be a superstar and I want to write music. But there's a subconscious part of this equation and the subconscious might be saying something like, you suck, you're never going to make it, nobody cares about what you're doing. The only thing they like about you is 
is that you're funny or they only they don't really like your music they just like you cuz you're cute or they they think you're ugly or you're fat so forget about it, or you're too old or whatever it is all of this is going into the computation and then at and then what, what spits out at the end is oh you don't deserve you don't deserve to make art or you're not good enough to make art so do something else so i think the problem is people need to make sure that their subconscious is on the side of their conscious mind. And the best way to do that, and I tell people this all the time, is to write out, physically write out what your intentions are consciously with your life. And the way you do it is you write a script for your life. You go, and it's easy. You just have a sheet of paper and you put, this is what my life is going to be like in six months, one year, and five years. And you don't write like, in six months, I want to be doing this. You just write, in six months, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing this. In one year, this is what's going to be happening. I'm going to be married. Uh, my daughter's going to be seven. We're going to have a great relationship. I'm going to have a great relationship with my higher power. I'm going to be making this much money. I'm going to be living here. I'm going to have this relationship with my wife. It's going to be a relationship of trust and respect. Um I'm going to be doing this project. I'll be finished with this. This will be coming out. You just write it all down. And then you do that in all six months, a year, five years. And then next to each of these things that's going to be happening, you just write a quick what you're going to do to get there. I'm going to, you know, in six months, I'm going to weigh. Not I want to weigh. Don't ever put I want. You're just putting what's going to happen. In six months, I'm going to weigh 100 and. Two pounds. So you, you're you're vis- you're like manifesting what you want. No, what you're what you're doing is you're giving your subconscious new directions. You're making sure that your subconscious know what's what the deal is. And then, so what you write next to it is you write. You, so with your weight goals, you put, "I'm going to eat health. I'm going to count all my calories." And that that's the only thing that I found that works is you have an app on your phone and you put in all your calories. When you when you start putting in all your calories, it's the reason all change is made in people's lives. When you become accountable for your actions, then that's when change comes. That's exactly right. And when you're not accountable, you think you can do anything. Like in a relationship, for instance, if you make this commitment to yourself, which I've done, which is to always tell the truth in my relationship with my wife. Uh, so I know if I fool around on my wife, I'm going to tell her that I'm going to fool around. So it makes it really easy to not fool around because I'm like, I don't, I love my wife and I love our relationship and I, I don't want to hurt her by telling her that I'm going to fool around. Now, if you say to yourself, well, I'm not going to tell my wife, I'm going to fool around and nobody will be the wiser. Nobody gets hurt. But here's the thing, you can't get away with anything. Because what ends up happening is if you fool around on your wife, then you can't tell your wife that you fooled around on her. And now you're having a different relationship with your wife. It's not a real relationship. It's a, it's a facade of a relationship and you don't feel connected. And so it ruins the relationship. Same with food. If you think, well, I can eat this bag of chips. I can eat this candy. I can do whatever I want. And I'll just like run tomorrow or I'll sleep it off or my metabolism's fine. I'll get back or I'll just work on it tomorrow. It's this all I, this idea that, I'll figure it out later. If you're writing down the calories every time you eat a candy bar or an ice cream or a piece of pizza and you realize what's going on, dude, you 
almost immediately you stop doing it because you're like, I don't want to fucking have to put in pizza into my fucking phone. Yeah. I don't want to have to put in five scoops of ice cream. Maybe I'll have a half a scoop of ice cream because I can put that into my phone and feel okay. But it, it changes your behavior. It's been really wild to, once you are working at it and holding yourself accountable, which is such a crucial point to what you're saying, it's amazing how it how much power it takes out of, like, I was thinking about what I would have eaten these last 20 days, especially like at night. Right. When I am like really just looking at what I'm putting into my body, it's like, oh, I easily would have made a buttery turkey sandwich and put a fried egg on it. And I wasn't even really that hungry. Instead of like a bowl of cereal or like some veggies, just the amount of calories I was consuming out of sadness, boredom, fear. When you can just see it on a page, you're like, why would I... I don't know. It's just, it becomes so clear of like, why would I eat that when when it doesn't align at all with like my a longer term goal more than just not wanting to be sad for a minute? Right. Well, the thing about so the thing about creating the script, you're basically just creating like a a movie script for your life. The thing that that does is what it does is it it allows your it's like a, it's like it's like a maps for your subconscious. Because now, every time you make a decision, your subconscious and your conscious mind knows, oh, in six months, I'm going to be here, and in a year, I'm going to be here. Is this decision taking me there, or is it taking me away from that? And if it's taking me away from that, then I'll do the thing that's taking me towards that. And it's as simple as that, dude. Because your brain can manifest almost anything. It's not magical. It's not like some weird... Like, I'm going to make magic happen and I'm going to vanilla sky the world. No, we have these amazing brains. And when you do something, it it creates, when you when I walk past my pantry and see some dry roasted peanuts and throw a handful of peanuts in my mouth, because I'm not writing shit down, and I think, well, I'll just do that. I don't even, I'm not thinking. Like, my because my subconscious is like, oh, you're a piece of shit and you're having a feeling. So do something about it. Make yourself feel good. You deserve to feel good. But but I don't have directions for my subconscious. Like the directions, if the directions are, okay, well, I need to achieve this. I'm going to be at this weight. And if I put those handful of nuts in my mouth, I'm not going to get there. So I can't do that because I'm going to this. I know where I'm going and the nuts aren't a part of that. Right. It's powerful. It's a powerful message. The reason that people don't do it, I tell people to do it all the time, and they don't do it because they know if they do it, no nuts in the mouth. Yeah. And people want the nuts in their mouth. I want the nuts in my mouth. Yeah, you do. Dude, the nuts in my mouth immediately make me feel like I'm in control. The world's chaotic. It's crazy. I'm I'm depressed, but I got nuts in my mouth. <laughs> well, speaking of all that, uh, we got to go. We are over time. Dude, I got so carried away talking about nuts being in my mouth. We all did. You know what, baby? We all did. Hold on. Mm. (laughs) All right. Every time you see a reset, just think of me licking a delicious ice cream cone. Uh, Listen, go leave us the review. Look, if you like the show and you think it has value, which we just dropped some crazy life-altering truth bombs on you in this episode, consider supporting us. It's 
Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the letters I-O-K. You're going to get the postcards. You're going to get the songs we wrote. You're going to get access to The Secret Weekly, where we're going now. Check out Bob's other podcast, The Song Club, my other podcast, Metal Up Your Podcast. Write in bobandclint at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We'll read it on the show if we want to. And uh, with that, we're going to leave all you babies at home. Bye. Peace. (laughs) 